Austin, thank you. Thank you for that, those kind words. Um, our offering prayer uh, this morning is from uh, Clement, uh, St. Clement I. Uh, he actually was uh, either the second or third uh, bishop of Rome following Peter. So Peter was the first bishop of Rome, and, and Clement was either second or third, um, depending on, on who you believe. <laughs> um, but he, he was also known or considered to be uh, the first uh, father, first apostolic father of the church. Yeah, and he was one of the three chief uh, fathers, early church fathers, along with Polycarp and Ignatius. And so uh, he was born uh, right around the time of Jesus' death, and he served as Bishop of Rome from 88 until 99 AD. And here's his prayer this morning for our offering. We ask you, Master, be our helper and defender, rescue those of our number in distress, raise up the fallen, assist the needy, heal the sick, turn back those of your people who stray, feed the hungry, release our captives, revive the weak, encourage those who lose heart, let all the nations realize that you are the only God, that Jesus Christ is your son, and that we are your people and the sheep of your pasture. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you can give uh, today uh, through text message. You can also give uh, through our app, the Riverstone app, if you have that. If you don't have it, I encourage you to download that. That's really easy. Uh, and you can also write checks to uh, our post office box. You can mail them to the post office box, which is, is on the screen. I'm going to uh, be preaching today from Titus. If you want to turn there, um, Titus is one of Paul's letters. It's after 2 Timothy and before Philemon, so it's stuck kind of towards the middle back of the New Testament. It's a short book, just three, three quick chapters. Uh, we're going to be looking at, at chapters, uh, chapter 2 and part of chapter 3 today. Uh, and I want to begin with Titus 2, uh, verses 1 through 14. Um, so if you want to turn there and then just hold that open for a while because I'll come back to it in a bit. Uh, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. 
in your teaching show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Verse 9, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager, to do what is good. Jesus, we pray uh, that you would speak to us today, that you would speak to us uh, from your word. We know that uh, your word is true, uh, it's trustworthy, and we open ourselves, Lord, for you by your spirit to teach us from your word today. We need to hear from you, we need to receive from you. And so we say yes to whatever you have in mind for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul planted the church uh, in Crete. And I say the church because he didn't just plant a church. He planted the church, uh, the church of Jesus. Uh, and it was in several cities uh, on Crete. And he leaves uh, Titus behind uh, on the isle, one of the, one of the Greek isles, um, Crete, Crete was one of the Greek islands, and he leaves Titus behind to raise up leadership for all the different churches, and and he says that his job is to raise up leadership for all the, for the for every uh, group of believers in every city. Uh, now, it's debatable uh, how many cities there were on Crete. Uh, Homer in the Iliad, calls Crete uh, the place of 100 cities. Uh, more than likely, uh, it, there were around 60 cities. So if you can imagine, there are 60 probably house churches in different cities um, that Titus is responsible for, and his job is to go from place to place and raise up leaders, uh, elders and deacons, uh, to lead the churches. And, and the reason that Paul uh, wants Titus to establish this leadership primarily is to keep his opponents from coming in and teaching false doctrine. And that's been a problem. Uh, it's a problem that, it, that is expressed uh, in Galatians. It's also addressed in Philippians, in 2 Timothy, and, uh, and here in Titus as well. Uh, Titus and 2 Timothy were, were both written during Paul's second Roman imprisonment. Uh, his first, the first time that he was uh, arrested in Rome, he was placed under house arrest and he was later acquitted and released and it was then that he went to Crete and planted the church and, and most people believe that he went from Crete then to Spain and then after that he was arrested a second time after being uh, betrayed by Alexander and he's put in prison for a second time in Rome. 
uh, which leads up to his death. And uh, during his second imprisonment, uh, he was in the Mamertine prison. And uh, I think we have a picture of the Mamertine prison in Rome uh, that you can see hopefully on the screen. Uh, Melissa and I had a chance a couple of years ago to visit Rome, and we, we went and visited the Mamertine prison. And as you can see in the picture, it's just a small dungeon of a place, and there Paul was either chained to a soldier or chained to the floor uh, during his time there. And it's, just, it's, it's really just a cave, more or less. Uh, Paul's letter uh, to Titus is written from that prison, and it's mainly about godly character. Uh, Paul writes to, to Titus about the importance of godly character and, and he emphasizes that godly character is something that should be seen and should be evident in the church, in the home, and in the workplace. And in the verses that we just read, uh, verses 1 through 14 of chapter 2, he speaks to several uh, specific groups. He speaks to older men. He says that Titus is to teach the older men to be temperate and to be worthy of respect, to be sound in their faith, uh, to be what, what you would call sober, uh, serious uh, about their lives, and to have endurance. Uh, of the older women, he says that they should be reverent, that they should not be slanderous, not addicted to wine, uh, that they should be able to train the younger women as wives uh, and as mothers. Uh, to the young men, he says that they're to be self-controlled and, and doers of good. Uh, he says to teachers uh, that they're to have integrity and that they're to have sound faith, sound doctrine in their teaching. And to slaves, he says, uh, don't be lazy and don't steal. Now, uh, some people have taken this passage and tried to say that Paul was... Uh, was pro-slavery, and, and nothing is, there's, it's not even debatable. Uh, Paul did not like slavery. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, Paul groups slave traders uh, with murderers, adulterers, perverts, and liars. Uh, what Paul is doing here in this passage is he's just saying to Christian slaves, to slaves that are believers, uh, to live... Uh, in a way that would promote the gospel, to have godly character uh, in their situation. No matter, he's saying that across the board to everyone, no matter what your situation is, there's no situation that excuses your behavior. You are to conduct yourself as a believer in every situation and to have godly character. The stereotype of the slave in Paul's day was that they, they were lazy and that they would steal from their masters uh, and their their position he's speaking primarily to house servants and their position was was more like a job um, and um, so that, that's kind of what he's saying there so uh, he speaks to those things in chapter 2 verses uh, 1 through 14 and then uh, in verse 15 he refers back and he just says uh, these are the things uh, that every believer should walk in this is the list. This is what you should be teaching. These are the character traits that people should walk in. And he says, you know, teach these things. Now, if we move on to chapter 3, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, he tells them to obey governing leaders. Uh, and doing so uh, 
uh, obeying the government, doing what the government asks you to do, was considered a good witness. And so this is why Peter, or this is why Paul is emphasizing this, is he, again, he is wanting in every situation, no matter your circumstance, he wants you to have a strong witness. And so uh, rather than being subversive and seditious, he wants them to obey the governing authorities and, and to keep a strong, good testimony. Their first concern, the first concern of the early church was to advance the gospel. Uh, their first concern was not personal comfort. Not, not very many of them had personal comfort to begin with. Uh, they were in a, a situation that was politically oppressive. Uh, many of them uh, were being persecuted. Many of them were, were dying uh, for their faith. And so personal comfort was not uh, something that uh, was high on their list because it wasn't something they experienced much of. Uh, primary for them uh, was the advancement of the gospel. So keeping their testimony was more important uh, than being comfortable. Uh, he actually says, uh, be obedient, be ready to do whatever is good. Slander no one, be peaceable and considerate. Show true humility to all men. Uh, in the early church, the epitome of right relationship was being kind to everyone. Uh, Jesus said to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so uh, the epitome of right relationship was being kind to everyone, even your enemies. In fact, Urgent, uh, uh, Moltmann says Jesus did not die cursing his enemies, but with a prayer for them on his lips. So then... Uh, and this is, this is kind of what I want to get to. Uh, we turn the page uh, to chapter 3, verse, beginning at verse 3. Uh, let me read this. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Paul is not suggesting to the believers in Crete, or to Titus for that matter, that they do better by trying harder. 
He's not suggesting that at all. He's not suggesting that they do better by studying or even memorizing his letter to them. He is reminding them of the only things that will allow or produce in them the character of God. He's reminding them of the kindness and the mercy of God. In verse 3, he says, we were foolish. We were disobedient, deceived, being hated and hating. In verse 4, then, he says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Uh, Austin mentioned in, uh, about my, my doctorate in uh, finishing that up. Thursday was for me the, the culmination of three years of, of hard work and uh, kind of to put it in, in some kind of perspective, um, between my, my, my master's and my doctorate are separated by 36 years of technology. Uh, so I finished my master's in 1984 and uh, started uh, my, my doctorate in 2017. And in between those two times, computers were invented. And so, so I kind of started uh, behind the eight ball on this uh, doctorate, not even really knowing how to navigate uh, on a computer and, and, and still don't, uh, to tell you the truth, to be honest. But three years of hard work culminated on Thursday uh, when I made my final presentation and, and was approved and awarded uh, the title of Doctor of Ministry. Friday morning, I was reflecting on my journey and just, just thinking back uh, through the years. And, and I was reminded of the 18-year-old uh, lost soul uh, sitting in the library in Florence, Alabama. And, and I just had to shake my head and ask the question, how, how did I get from there? to hear only the kindness and mercy of God. I have been uh, really blown away this week by uh, congratulations and, and so many, so many of you have reached out uh, to us and, and your kindness has is, is just blown us away. We, we've been amazed at how, how kind and thoughtful you've been and uh, I'm truly, truly grateful uh, that you took the time to, to reach out and, and communicate to us. Uh, but I, I do want to say this this morning. Um, don't be impressed. Don't be impressed with me or by me. Uh, I, I have tried on more than one occasion uh, to sabotage my journey and I stand here today for one reason and one reason only uh, I stand here today because of the mercy and the kindness the goodness the love and the generosity of Jesus he is the only reason in verse 5 he says uh, Paul says he saved us 
through the washing of rebirth. Forgiveness. God doesn't just have goodwill toward us. He took action to actually remove our sin. The water of baptism represents the removal of sin, the washing of sin. God doesn't just ignore our sin and he certainly doesn't tolerate our sin. He removes our sin. And then in the latter part of verse five and in verse six, he says that we are, he saves us by the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Whom he, and and I love this phrase, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus, our Savior. Water baptism and spirit baptism are, are intended to be two sides of the same coin. Sin is removed by death going into the grave under the water and life is given through resurrection impartation of the Holy Spirit so that we actually are living and breathing the life of God. That's how good he is. He doesn't even leave us to ourselves to figure it out. He doesn't leave us to ourselves to try to be good. He says, here, let, let me do this for you. Let me do this in you. Open your heart to me. Let me pour my spirit out on you, not rationed, a little bit for you and a little bit for you and a little bit for you, but poured out generously. Romans 8, 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You have life as a believer because he is in you. And so the call of God, the invitation of God is not try harder. The invitation of God is die and be resurrected with Christ in the life of the Holy Spirit so that the spirit of God can produce the fruit of God in your life. Godly character is nothing more than the fruit of the Spirit. And the only way to have the fruit of the Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit. The kindness and mercy of God, the removal of sin, the life of God in you by the Holy Spirit, the presence, the very presence of God in you. Why? Why? Because God loves you. Because God wants you. Because you are valuable to him. He desires you. He longs for intimacy with you. You think you desire intimacy with him? He much more desires intimacy with you. You matter 
to him. Surrender to him. Love him. Follow him. Tell his story everywhere you go. It will be the greatest decision you ever make. Now let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. None of us are here because of anything that we have done. No righteous deed, no good thing. We're here because you're merciful. You are merciful. You're generous. You're kind. You're full of love. Thank you, Lord, for being patient with us, for pursuing us, for desiring us. We say yes to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite uh, Austin and Alyssa to come back up and lead us uh, in a time of ministry. Uh, there'll be a number on the screen that you can text uh, with prayer requests. And uh, I encourage you to stay on. Uh, don't, don't sign off just yet. Stay on and, and participate in this time of ministry. Uh, if you have prayer needs, send them to us. If you want to say yes to Jesus today for the first time, uh, for the 10th time, for the 100th time, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to pray for you, pray with you today. Um, and, and if you don't have uh, need of prayer today, just stay online and, and pray for others uh, as we uh, worship together uh, before we close today.